One of the aspects of our modern skeptical age is that any claim of the miraculous tends to be met with incredulity, unbelief. But this modern skepticism is especially pronounced when it comes to the ascension of Christ into heaven, which we celebrate today. You know, skeptics, atheists, agnostics, they will lampoon the ascension of Christ as the feast of the flying Jesus. How could he survive the extreme cold of high altitude or the unlivable vacuum of space, they ask. The ascension seems more at home in a fairy tale or a myth. It seems simply too fantastical to be credible in our enlightened age, the skeptic concludes. So let's ask the question, are they right? Is it irrational to believe that Jesus Christ really and truly ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection? Absolutely not. Here's why. Our Lord does not need to travel from point A to point B as we do. And in fact, he shows us this throughout the gospel. We see it a lot in his post-resurrection appearances to the disciples. You know, several weeks ago, we had the reading uh, where the disciples were locked in the upper room. The door was locked. And Jesus, uh, the resurrected Jesus with his glorified body, suddenly appeared in their midst. He passed through this solid object, something that technically ought to be impossible for us human beings. We have to open a door, or if a situation calls for it, knock it down, but we can't simply pass through it. Or think of the incident of the road to Emmaus. The disciples Jesus draws near to, they don't recognize him immediately until the end when uh, they recognize him in the breaking of the bread and then Jesus vanishes from their midst. We see this before the resurrection too, however. Matthew, Mark, and John all recount Jesus walking on water as if on dry land. And in John's account, he says that the disciples were three or four miles offshore when they see Jesus walking on the sea towards them. And they're terrified. Jesus says, don't be afraid, it is I. And what, we, what the gospel says next is that suddenly, immediately, the boat reached the land towards which they were going. How are these episodes possible? Jesus Christ is true God and true man, and God is, by definition, omnipotent, all-powerful. Nothing is impossible for him. Sometimes skeptics will criticize miracles on the assumption that God cannot act in a way contrary to the physical laws of the universe. And while it is true that God often does work within the laws of the universe he created, he is not limited by these laws. Thus, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, usually he walked on dry land. But to give his disciples evidence of his divinity, he walked on water. He passed through locked doors, for nothing is impossible for him, including ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Nothing is impossible for him. He doesn't move from point A to point B as we do. He ascended into heaven. Now, skeptics usually aren't convinced so quickly. It um, requires a lot of uh, 
intellectual honesty to examine the philosophical assumptions behind our worldview. But there is another obstacle that I would say even believers struggle with in regard to the assumption. What does it mean? You know, most of the major feast days, the major mysteries of our Lord's life, it's pretty obvious. Christmas we celebrate because God becomes man, born of the Virgin, to save us. Good Friday, that's an important day where we commemorate Christ's death on the cross, which atoned for our sins. Easter Sunday, he rises from the grave and conquers death. What do we celebrate on the ascension that he left us here on earth as he went to heaven? No, Christ didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us orphaned. He promised to remain with us always until the end of the age. Promised to send the Holy Spirit upon his apostles and disciples to uh, sanctify and guide them. But what we celebrate today on the ascension is Christ's enthronement in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And here is why that's important. The horror that was Good Friday ends with Christ's triumphant ascension to his throne at the right hand of the Father. In a very objective sense, what happened on Good Friday is the most evil thing in human history. God became man to save us, and we killed God in a very brutal manner. Good Friday night would have been very dark indeed, a night in which it seemed as if evil and sin had the last word. Yet what the ascension shows us is that sin and death, darkness and evil do not have the last word. God does. For Christ, after his glorious resurrection, he ascends to his heavenly throne triumphantly. He wins the victory, and it's a victory he wants to share with those of us who love him, seek to do his will. We may not have lived through the horrors of Good Friday, yet we certainly know darkness and evil in our own day. In just over two weeks, our nation has witnessed two very uh, horrific mass shootings, one at an elementary school in Texas, and one motivated by racist ideology at a supermarket in Buffalo. Nobody needs to be told that there is evil and darkness in the world after seeing the reports of those two tragic events. And we do have an obligation to do what we can to combat evil, to try and build a more just society. We are obliged to work towards that. But in the wake of two devastating mass shootings, such heinous evil, maybe the faith of some is shaken. The skeptic who lampoons the ascension doesn't generally persuade people to abandon the faith. But the experience of evil and suffering, especially when it's victims or innocent children, that certainly can shake people's faith. So where was God in this? Why did he permit such heinous crimes in Buffalo and Texas? Don't pretend to have the particular answers to those tragedies, but I think there are two things we need to remember. God is all good. He doesn't directly will evil like we've witnessed in the past few weeks, but he does permit it. He allows evil and suffering. He permitted his son to be tortured and murdered on a cross but only because he could bring an even greater good out of that most heinous evil, our redemption and salvation. Now, in all likelihood, we will have to wait until the next life to find out why God would permit the horrific tragedy uh, and, and terrifying mass shootings our nation has seen far too often. 
But the only way to make some sense of any tragedy, suffering, or evil we experience in this life is to see it in light of the Paschal Mystery, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. What does that show us? Well, it shows us that God is not aloof to our suffering. He becomes a man like us in all things but sin. And he suffers. He suffers unjust violence. He's murdered. He is not aloof from our sufferings, but enters into it. And more than that, he's victorious over it. The horror of Good Friday does not end in despair, but ultimately it ends with Jesus' enthronement in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Yes, there's evil and darkness in the world, but we can't let it shake our faith. For God only permits evil because he will bring some greater good out of it in the end. Yes, we may have to wait until heaven to find out what that greater good is. But in the meantime, we believe and we trust because of the example of Christ on the cross, this heinous evil that God brought the greatest good out of. It has been a dark couple of weeks, but the ascension of Christ teaches us that in the end, evil, sin, and death do not have the last word. God does. We cannot allow these dark events to shake our faith. Rather, we must move forward. We must seek to build a more just society. And above all else, may we never lose the hope of one day sharing in Christ's victory over darkness, sin, and death. To share in his victory of the ascension in heaven. <laughs>